Uh, okay. Uh, okay, this is Lenny D'Angelo. Uh, uh, art sound off uh, audio journaling challenge for the month of November uh, from the Lean Into Art podcast, leanintoart.com, artsoundoff.com. Yes, okay, I'm responding this morning to number 10 of the uh, prompts that the gentleman from Lean Into Art have posted. Uh, and and, and uh, prompt number 10 was, what are you working on? Uh, uh, was it today? What are you working on? What did you learn? And how did that happen? Something like that. Number 10, let me see. What did you make today? What did you learn? How did that happen? Uh, I've been playing fast and loose with these rules here, uh, but that's okay. Uh, I didn't, uh, it's early. I didn't make anything today, but this weekend... I was working on um, a series of small projects and one uh, uh, freelance thing. And I thought I would talk about that because I made some observations there and I think it fits this here prompt uh, a little bit. Uh, the thing, I, I, I have said this before, I think, but I, I, I stopped taking freelance projects uh, and I've just had this, like, a couple that keep coming back at I, I, their relationships that I've established that I feel like I don't want to drop. And uh, I have already dropped some relationships that I also didn't want to drop. And the last of those uh, I dropped this year. And it was uh, this project I keep, I keep this, this, comp- this uh, organization keeps asking me to do these things for them yearly. And I have really enjoyed those projects, but they're very challenging and they time-consuming or whatever, and I've become uh, old and frail, and I don't want to do those anymore, and uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I passed that project on this year to somebody else, um, and I think he's, he's killing it, good for him, uh, but I do have this one commitment that there was a, a series of novels that this uh, author was writing, uh, and he, he had said, I'm going to write three novels, and I loved the, the work you did for the first one. And I'd like you to just be stick with me to the end of this. And he's in the process of finishing his third uh, in the series. It's a series. So he wanted uh, some consistency, I think, in the covers and the artwork. So I can't really say no to that. Uh, I, I'm going to see this thing through for him, for him, for me, you know. Okay. So uh, I've done two of these uh, covers and some interior spots for this, these books. And I was working this weekend on uh, some rough thumbnails of a of new concept for the, for the last book. And usually when I do thumbnailing and, and present to a client or, or roughs, usually, thumbnailing is for me, right? There's, there's several uh, layers to the process if you do work with a client. This is the way I've done it anyway. Uh, thumbnails, which are, which are very small studies that help the artist themselves sort of work out what they think is going to work. Roughs, which are roughs and or comps, which are, uh, depending on your relationship with a client and how much of an imagination that person has, uh, roughs are, are a way for you to present those ideas to the person who's paying for them before you actually finish anything so that it doesn't go too far and they can just look at what you're thinking and they can make some decisions and have a dis- facilitate a discussion of sorts, all right? Uh, okay, so the thumbnailing part is for me because I have to basically un- I develop an idea from nothing, and uh, that's what I was working on this weekend. It was taking a, a long time, 
I'm usually pretty good with book covers. I, I think the problem is that this is the third of a series. So there's a uh, complication here. This thematic thing that has to be followed through from from a to, from one to three has to follow some sort of thematic thing. There's a style limitation, which I set in the beginning. God, it was like 10 years ago that this thing started, I think, almost 10 years ago. Uh, and... Uh, and also, there's a history to these to these covers. Believe me, nobody cares as much as I do, and the, the author does. But uh, that's just how that's how you got to think. Uh, and uh, I don't want to repeat it. I don't want to repeat myself. Repeat my own ideas. So there's a lot of limitations in this in, in coming up with a thumbnail. It's not a freeform thing. It's got a it's got a, a legacy, I suppose, and then they, and then don't repeat what you've already done twice, and that's a little hard. Uh, so I was struggling a bit with these thumbnails. Okay, so that's what I was working on. When I started to get frustrated, I I was tempted to put the whole thing away and and just go for a walk or whatever. But I I was thinking, well, you know, I've sat down, I made a cup of coffee. I'm going to commit to doing this for however long I can do it. Something that I have learned uh, and I put into practice this weekend uh, is that it's always good to have something else to work on other than what you're currently working on. And that something else should be open-ended enough that it can uh, meet a how can I put this can meet a requirement of of uh, if you okay all right right, right right let's say you're watching a movie and the movie's boring but you get no that's not good analogy at all let's say you're reading a book you got to finish the book because of school or what you got to write a paper or whatever on the book it's always good to have a second book going. So that when you get super bored with that first book, you can pick up the second book. None of this is working. I think uh, uh, it's good to have a lot of a lot of projects going that are that are open ended, right? That are not in a stage of uh, that are not in like a real concrete stage, you know. And and what I've learned this year is, and I've started putting into practice is that uh, sometimes when I sit down to sketch. Uh, to do freeform sketching, I run out of ideas, or I get a little, cr- I get cramped up, uh, metaphorically cramped up. I, I, f- I feel that there's too much that I want to do. That the one mark I need to put down to start a drawing has all the weight of all those things that I want to be doing in the next few moments. You know, all the things I want to be accomplishing. Blah 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 blah. And I found that it's very helpful to either write a list of or have a bunch of uh, collected reference photos of uh, subject matter that applies to a project you're going to be working on, but isn't necessarily uh, the project itself. I'll give you an example, and then I'll explain why that's helpful. I was working on, uh, a little while back, a project that included, okay, wolves, timber wolves, and gray wolves, you know, the, 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 the villains of the forest, wolves, and lobsters. Don't ask. Wolves and lobsters. Now, I'm not familiar with drawing, not, not from my mind, uh, wolves or lobsters, and or lobsters. And, and I think lobsters are harder than anything. God, lobsters are complicated looking. Have you ever looked at one of those? It's got a lot of moving parts. It's like a transformer from the from the late 80s, you know, when they started trying to push the envelope. 
You gotta buy the whole set. There's 10 of them. You're gonna need to buy 10 to 12 of these. By the way, Transformers from the late 80s. Can I just say... They started out a little bit cheaper than they used than they were later. Okay, and they had... Uh, uh, they did the right thing with a business. They had a, uh, price points. You know, they'll tell you if you're selling a product... Uh, at a at an art fair or something that you need different price points because not everybody can pay can drop eighty five dollars to buy whatever you're selling so it's good to have small items that so somebody really loves your work and they they're drawn in by the eighty five dollar item and they can't afford it and they're depressed about that but then they look down on the table oh what's this this is six dollars I could buy this and I could take a little piece of this thing home. Without dropping $85, that's what I'm talking about. Business In business, when you're doing selling things, you're supposed to do that. Especially for the holidays, you know. Holiday things, they always do this. By the way, I worked in marketing. I know some of these things. And they're dirty tricks. And be like, well, we got this very expensive item. Maybe if we buy this little, if we sell this little piece of crap for $10, people will go, oh, what's the company that makes this? Maybe I should save my money and buy the expensive thing. They do that. It's, 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 it's a scheme. What's my point? Uh, Transformers, right? They used to have these little ones like Bumblebee. Ah, kids today, they ain't gonna understand this. Bumblebee was the lamest. And and or the Transformers that looked like Bumblebee that came from the same mold, but they would put a different colored plastic and give you different stickers in the package. And then they call it another thing. I can't remember what it was. There were a couple of them like that. Uh, okay, well, in the beginning, you know, you go buy Bumblebee for 10 bucks or whatever. I don't remember. I was a kid with no money, right? My parents didn't have me money. So anytime I saw something super cool, I saw it at a friend's house. Like my friend Patrick Kelly. My friend Patrick Kelly had some scratch, let me tell you. At his birthday party. This is going to date things, if the Transformers reference didn't. At his birthday party, they had a Betamax rental. Oh, no. And it, in the, at the time, even rich people couldn't have a Betamax. Those things were expensive. So expensive. But, but at my friend's party, they had a Betamax rental. Uh, and so, we got to watch videos. This, is, this will never translate it to the, the, the current millennials. Will not understand this. That was on demand. <laughs> That's as good as it got. You had to pay $50 to rent a Betamax for the weekend, and then you could do on-demand. But only only on-demand from the handful of tapes that also cost you $50 to rent. That was an expensive birthday party, I gotta tell you. Okay. Anyway, Transformers, at some point, they started selling very expensive toys or packaging this this unit of toys, you know, like the Constructicons and the Dinobots and whatever. They all had to go together and you couldn't make the giant robot like Voltron, Defender of the Universe. You couldn't make the giant robot without uh, all the other little robots. You got to pay a lot of money to get all those robots. And if you only got three of them, you, you know, what am I going to do with Voltron's left leg and an, and an arm and half an arm? What am I going to do with this? Well, if he's got his arm, honestly, Voltron, all Voltron needed was the, the two arms. He could have done everything he always did with just two arms. The legs never did crap. He just needed two arms so he could put his fists together and pull out his magic sword. 
Why don't you skip to the end, Voltron, where you pull out your magic sword and get this over with? I'm very bored with this fighting. Ah, oh, what am I saying? I, I totally forgot why I was talking about Transformers. I don't know what I'm talking about. They got very expensive is what I was talking about. They got very complicated. They, oh, moving parts like a lobster. I get it. Lobsters like Voltron. Also very useful with only two arms. They can do everything you need from a lobster is in the two arms. I hate lobsters. Why do people love lobsters so much? I, I don't understand. They love it so much. Yeah, I Listen... There's no bigger douchebaggery than a, than working at a restaurant where they serve lobster because the, the biggest douches will come to the bar and be like, I want a martini, I'm going to tell you how to make it, and I needed a couple extra lobster crackers because I'm doing nothing but claws. Okay. <laughs> I hate lobster. Okay. I hate shellfish. Uh, speaking of shellfish... Telling people how to make a cocktail. Okay, what am I talking about? I'm sorry, I'm very tired. Right, lobster reference drawing. Okay. I'm drawing uh, uh, from reference that I've collected. And when I, when I ran up against this obstacle when I was working on that project or, or doing uh, thumbnailing for that, for that uh, side project, I realized I don't know how to draw wolves and I don't know how to draw lobsters. And I, I came up with some uh, some stand-in drawings just so that I could get through what I was working on. And just Sometimes when you come up with a, with, a bur- with a barrier like that and you're thumbnailing, it doesn't really matter. You just say, you, you make an ugly drawing of something that resembles a lobster and then you say, well, I'm going to need reference for this. Okay, that's where I was going with that. I learned... I learned that it's good to collect that reference on the spot. I mean, don't waste time when you're thumbnailing collecting reference. It's not. But later on, you go back, you collect reference. You can put it in a file. I'm using Evernote for that. Evernote's pretty good for that. Uh, you start a, start a new Evernote, and you just... Uh, they allow you to attach pictures, much like you would in an email, and you just... You just put the pictures in that in that reference, and I've got a I've got a notebook in Evernote that I keep for um, project reference, with the title of the project, and then all these images that I've sort of collected, and then they're in one place, and then wherever I am, if I'm uh, c- connected digitally, I can pull up a reference uh, from Evernote uh, and uh, and start drawing from that. <clears throat> I found that useful this weekend. Because these roughs that I was working on for uh, this book cover uh, were, were not coming out well, and I was running out of ideas, and I was getting frustrated, and I was wanting to quit. And instead of quitting, I told myself, well, this is, this is probably a time when you, when you switch your focus, and you'd start drawing from the reference you've collected. So I basically had set up an environment and given myself space to uh, be diverted, but not uh, uh, completely... Uh, not completely removed from working. Uh, so there's a freedom within the own within a system that I created for myself. And basically, like acting as my own secretary, which is uh, 
which is a note I've made to myself before. That that, that listen, when you're in an, when you're in downtime and you got something that you want to do but you don't really you're not really clear about it, you could be drawing from reference, or you could be collecting reference, or you could be just you know. Uh, running through a list of projects that are that are potential projects and, and and roughing out ideas and things like that. There are productive ways to spend frustrated moments. I guess is what I'm saying, and that that's something that I learned, and am learning. Uh, I'm not saying it's a perfected system, but it is. Uh, it's starting to be useful. At least it was useful this weekend, and I'm I I, I like I like the idea of that. I like I like that I set up a space for myself to work that could be uh, where I could be doing something in a diverted moment. Now I'm not saying I want to be doing that at 24/7. I'm just saying when I sat down and gave myself a window to work with a warm cup of coffee and a pen in my hand, and things weren't going well and I wanted to quit, I didn't quit entirely. I just diverted my attention for a moment, and I found that when I came back. Uh, from doing that little side exercise, when I came back from that, I, I had a, a fresh eye on the things I had already drawn on the project that was my focus, and uh, you know a couple of new ideas, and, and I could continue. Was it a triumph? No, of course not. What is? What in life is a triumph? Uh, but but it was it was helpful. It was useful. It was not a hundred percent wasted time. Uh, and I, I like that as opposed to uh, forcing 100% productivity 100% of the time and being a paranoid uh, lunatic about scheduling and all that stuff. I like that better. I like that, that, that uh, the way that that feels emotionally better than, uh, than saying, well, you set down an hour to work for this and whether or not it's bullshit or not, you work on this and only this and that's how it's going to be. You don't get to pee or, or eat a sandwich until that's done. And I don't do that. I, and it feels better, I think. And it's maybe healthier, right? I like to believe that it's healthier. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't finish those roughs because I couldn't come up with anything that I liked. Oh, and that's a whole other story there. Uh, and I'm sorry about the Transformers thing. I don't know what to say about that. I don't know why that even came to me. But look. Stream of consciousness. What are you going to do? Uh, I never did collect enough Transformers to have... Uh, I What I was really interested in was the uh, the uh, Constructicons. When they when those were... Uh, I liked those. I don't know why. I don't, I'm not interested in construction. And they were all kind of lame. Like, I don't know what a bulldozer is good for. I Honestly, I don't know what a... A bulldozer is not good for anything. Except dozing bull uh but but for some reason I mean, kids they thought kids are gonna love these construction things right because they can play with them in the dirt i don't too probably too old for that at that point I don't know what, why am i playing in the dirt with the construction and by the way why do these things need to be cars if they're not race cars or planes why would they be anything other than those things because uh, they're robots in disguise Yes, but shouldn't the disguise be useful? I don't know. Shouldn't the disguise be just as awesome as the robot? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Because there's a boombox. And I don't, I don't really know. 
what a miniature boombox is good for. Uh, 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 they played pretty fast and loose in the cartoons with the uh, scale of that boombox, I'll tell you. Uh, and the, uh, well, the boombox came later, but the, the Soundwave, right? The tape, tape deck. My parents had a tape deck just like Soundwave. I love it. I love it. Did anybody ever try to get one of those little tapes into one of those micro cassette recorders? Do those fit? Is that a one-to-one scale? I would love to know if I could put one of those in one of those micro tape recorders that they used to have that you'd see scientists using in the in movies. Did they? Did that work out? <laughs> okay. I should inject this tape and see if it if it flies away. <laughs> I should try that. <laughs> fly, please, please fly away. Go far from here. Okay, I'm sorry. I, uh, okay, uh, what did I work out? What I learned? Oh, sound off. Uh, 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 prompt number 10, uh, Leonard Angelo. Okay. <clears throat> okay, eject, eject. <laughs>